Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. Good to be together in the house of the Lord. Amen. Good to be stirred up to worship and encouraged to thank you, Pastor Ron. God is good. And all the time, in the middle of the battle, in the middle of all the junk and everything else, he is still good. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the enemy brings against you, I'm telling you, God's faithfulness never fails. He is merciful. He is good. Recently, we watched um, the movie The Help. And that, that, little, that little lady who says to that little white baby girl, you is precious, you is good. Every time, every time I watch that and I watch that part, I say God is good, God is precious, God is kind, God is sweet. All the things she was trying to impart into that child is because of who Father God is. Not bound to who our earthly dads were, good or bad. Amen. We have a heavenly Father who will teach us, help us, encourage us, convict us, challenge us, charge us to be about his business. Because eternity is but a breath away. This week we uh, honored uh, the life of Miss Peggy Van Camp, one of our precious gals. Her and her husband Ray been married for 67 years, I think he told me the other day. He told me 67. Now, unless he doesn't know what he's talking about, he was the one married to her. Because I told him I had to live another year to get to that age. So I remember that. My, my memory's good. So whether it's 66 or 67, all I got to say, that's a long time. That's a long time. And uh, Ray is having to learn um, for the next few years of his life, uh, to trust God. His house is empty right now, and he needs us, and we need him. And that is the beauty of the kingdom. So we're going to get into this message, part two from last week, Together We're Better. And uh, let me pray, and then we're going to jump right into this in Luke's Gospel, chapter five. Lord, you are good, you are precious, you are kind, you are gentle, you are loving, You are everything that we have need of, even before we realize our need, even before we realize what our questions are, you're already the answer to them. And I am thankful today for this uh, word that's been stirring in me for a long time, Lord, a word that was preached over eight years ago here, but is relevant today in our society and what we're going through, what our nation's going through. Father, as the church, as the body of believers, we really do need each other, and we are really better together than we are alone. And so, Father, help us to do life together with those that you have joined to us. I give you thanks and praise for it, and everybody said a big amen. amen. Luke chapter 5, verse 17 through 26. I'm going to read this story, very familiar story. Those of you, again, that have watched the, uh, 
the television series, The Chosen. Uh, you saw this in the first season. This story lived out Jesus healing the paralytic. Um, and uh, I, I love that story. I, I love uh, the stories that come out of that story. And as I was uh, looking at it again recently and then reading over this passage of Scripture last week, I love that in the, in the middle of these verses I'm going to read, we're going to come to this part where Jesus says, your sins are forgiven, rise up and walk. Now, how many of you know that kind of messed with the religious people of that day? What in the heck are you saying? Who in the blankety blank do you think you are? Who can forgive sins? And, and Jesus, knowing what they were thinking, doesn't say that, that they said it. He, he knew what they were thinking. So he turns and he asks the question, what's easier for you? To say that your sins are forgiven or that you're healed? And so he turns to the, to the paralytic that's at his feet and he says to him, son, rise up and walk. Pick up your bed and take it with you. You know why Jesus said that? Because he realized he ain't coming back for that bed. And that thing probably pretty stinky. I don't know about you, but somebody been laying on a, some kind of whatever kind of bedding it was. You know that thing had some stink to it. That's worse than stink. That's like being hangry, which is worse than just being hungry, Right? I started a, a new eating uh, style this week on the word of my doctor, and he told me just flat out, I want you to do this for 12 weeks, and, and then he handed me a book to learn how to do it. And so I left the doctor's office, got in my car, and I'm hungry. I, I'm borderline hangry, okay? And I opened his book, and I go, what? I didn't go to the do parts, I went to the do not parts. That's where I've been living for 66 years, in that do not part. So I'm looking at that, and then I'm thinking, where can I eat? So then I start Googling places. Then I start driving down the road. And I'm riding down Highway 60, and I'm looking on both sides of the road, and I'm going, can't eat there, 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 or there. So I flip over the other side of the road thinking, by faith. No, I can't eat that. I can't eat that. I can't eat that. What can I eat? So I had to pull over on the side of the road and look at the, what you can do. So then I went to a restaurant that I thought I can do. And I'm sitting there looking at the menu, and I realized I can't do this. So then you have to humbly excuse yourself. Feel like you got to tip the hostess, you know, for sitting you down and giving you a glass of water and a menu. The process of walking out, Jesus speaks to this paralytic, and he says, rise up. And I, I love in the Chosen series how they immediately focus on the toes. Anybody ever got a cramp in your toe? Let me see your hand if you've ever experienced a, cramp, a crampy toe. Since I've been going through what I've been going through for the last four years, I, I, I have some times where my toes just like cramp up like that. And it's almost always while I'm laying in bed at night reading. 
And then you grab, you're trying to grab your foot and pull it up somewhere, and you're trying to straighten your toes out, you know. And it's like, Lord Jesus, sometimes it's not fun getting older. I was like, I never cramped before. Now I got toes cramping, got fingers cramping, got elbows cramping. Jesus says, rise up and walk, and all of a sudden those toes start twitching. Now, that might not mean much to you and me, right? But you've been laying there on a bed paralyzed, and you've never seen your toes move? Come on, somebody. I bet that's worth a hallelujah. I mean, I bet that guy's looking like, woo! Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! If he was Spanish, that's what he would have said. Thank you, Yeshua. If he's Jewish, I don't know what he was. All I know was that he was a paralytic. And Jesus said, rise up. Your sins are forgiven. Take up your bed. Get out of here. So let's go back and begin reading. Acts chapter 5, because I want, I want to you to catch all of this. That is the meat of these eight or nine verses that the paralytic came in paralyzed, walked out healed. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. He, he went out different than when he came in. But there's more to the story. Verse 17, so on one of those days as Jesus was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea, and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him at the feet of Jesus. But finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. Listen to this. When he saw what? Their Whose faith? The paralyzed guy's faith? No, he said, when he saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, man, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes, the Pharisees begin to question, who is this? who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven you or to say rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he says to the man who is paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, go home. And immediately Immediately, he rose up before them, picked up what he had been lying on, and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God, and they were filled with awe, saying, Today we have seen extraordinary things. Now, back to verse 17, 18, and 19. Verse 18, it says, And behold, some men were bringing on a bed, a man who was paralyzed. So what we see in this story, 
before we ever get to the miracle that Jesus performed, is we see the amazing story of community. We see the story being played out. We are better together than we are alone. You see, that paralyzed man, no matter what his faith was, Jesus is over there on that road, and you live on this road, and you're by yourself, you have no relationships, you're isolated, and you can't get off your mat. Jesus is right over there. And, and you've heard enough to believe that Jesus can heal you over there because nobody's bringing Jesus to where you are. Jesus is over there. This story screams of the community of believers. We were not saved to be isolated. We were not saved, redeemed, filled with the Holy Spirit of God to walk alone. We need each other. That baby needs his mama. <laughs> Look at that. Daddy, I love you, Nick, but she needed mama. Look, she's smiling. Okay, now she's not anymore. Okay, now she doesn't need mama. She needs the passy. But that's one sweet baby right there. And every once in a while, I need a hug from her. And almost every time she sees me, she smiles. Now, not all babies do that, but this one does. And there's so many in this family, I can't even remember this precious child's name. What's this baby's name? Desiree. That's a pretty name, Desiree. Desiree, I need you. And every once in a while, she just smiles and puts her cheek up there because she knows if pastor's there, I'm going zero right in for the kiss. <laughs> Jesus is over there. You're here. You have no way to get to Jesus outside of community. See, I don't believe that man hired some guys to pick him up. Yeah, I need you all. I ain't got much money. I, I got a denarius. Y'all split it. <laughs> now, I don't need six of you, just four strong guys. I need you to carry me over there. They get over there and they say, well, there's a big crowd. What, what, what do you want? I need to get inside that crowd. Well, there's no way. Impossible. See, I don't think they had an escalator <laughs> up to that roof. I'm not even really certain they had steps. More than likely, they had a ladder. How in the world do you get a crippled, paralyzed, dead-weight man? Four guys. Got to have at least two ladders, right? Unless they're just grabbing him by the neck and jerking him up. I don't know how they got up there. You say, well, come on, Pastor, what's it? move on with the story. No, no you got to understand, that's significant. When I got diagnosed four years ago, it was significant that I surround myself with people that knew how to get to Jesus. Because you see, he's over there, and you're, you're here, just got this diagnosis, just got this bank report, just got this situation, just got this family thing going on in your life. 
that you cannot walk alone. You need a community of believers. There are times when I need things in my life that I am not qualified to be able to do. I am thankful that I'm a part of a family that has got amazing giftings. You need a plumber? We got one. You need an electrician? We got some. You need somebody to fix your roof? We got some. You need somebody to help you with your car? Don't call me. <laughs> call somebody else in this house. Because we got some guys that know, we got some gals. That's embarrassing for me, but. <laughs> I did stop one time, and this lady was on the side of the road. She was just popping her hood, so I popped in, jumped out of the car like I knew what I was doing, going to be the, <laughs> you know. And she popped that head up, and I looked, and I'm thinking, that's an engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that's an engine. And if you give me a key, <laughs> and that engine's good, I can crank that bad boy. I can even drive that bad boy. But don't ask me to fix it. So why did you stop, Pastor? It was a lady stranded on the side of the road. Isn't that what all gentlemen do? I looked in there, and she started talking about parts in this engine. And I was like, do you need my phone? Because you obviously don't need me. <laughs> she starts telling me what's wrong with her car and then reaching way down inside that hot machine. I'm like, bless you, my dear. <laughs> Be warm and filled. <laughs> now, as I jump back in my car and head down the road, you need somebody to pray with, you call me. But in this body, we have all these amazing folks. We got nurses and doctors and dentists. We got lawyers. We got people that just know how to do it all. And man, that brings strength within your connect groups. So many needs are met within your connect group with you just being open, honest, humble, and share, I'm going through this and I need this. These friends of this paralytic, they couldn't fix him. They couldn't heal him. They could bring him water and food. They could sit around his bed and chat with him. But see, they had heard about this Jesus too. And so what did community do? What did relationships do? What did family do? They picked him up. And even though they couldn't heal him, they took him to the one that they knew could. That's a friend right there. There's some people that have prayed for you and prayed you through to get to the place where you are in Christ Jesus. Who in and of themselves, they could not save you. They could not heal you. But boy, they could get you to the one who could. Amen? And we all... I don't care what your circumstance or situation is. We all need those kind of people in our lives. The community of believers that know who they are in Christ Jesus. As well as knowing how much they need those whom the Lord has put with them to do life and to share, listen to this, in all things 
that glorify God in all things. Have you ever had the joy of being with uh, fellow believers, friends, who just make you feel closer to Jesus just by hanging out with them? You're encouraged. I could ask a different way. Any of you ever sat down with somebody and after like 10 minutes you were so depressed and you're looking for ways, you, you're, you're, you're believing for bladder problems to get you out of this, you know, <laughs> whatever it takes, man. I, sorry, I love you, but I got, I got to go to the bathroom. And then you're looking for a back exit. <laughs> and they're believers. They're Christian brothers or sisters. Those aren't the kind of people you want to be hanging with. Those are not the kind of people that were willing to pick up this paralytic walking through the streets climb a ladder, tear off a man's roof. Come on, somebody. You go to tearing off my roof, we're going to have some problems. <laughs> you know, my wife and I are sitting in the kitchen table, and all of a sudden, we hear, <laughs> and all of a sudden, an opening. I mean, these guys tore up a man's roof. Now, I don't know if Jesus just spoke to it when he was through and <laughs> repaired it. <laughs> I know he could have, but more than likely, these friends went back up on the roof and repaired that man. I don't believe they left it after destroying it. Some of you have had some friends that have left you after destroying you. Some of you have been through a marriage like that. You've gone through a horrible divorce because the person you were married to didn't want God. And it's not that you were perfect. It's just, it takes something. Man, when Ray told me the other day on the phone, I had to call him to apologize and tell him I was so sorry that I couldn't be here to do the service for Miss Peggy because they are very special people in my life. When they first came to uh, visit The Rock 25 or more years ago, uh, they Ray was working for UPS in Ohio. They came down here on vacation, visited The Rock, went back home, retired, and decided that they liked us so much, this family of believers, that they packed up after retiring, shipped everything, and moved to Gainesville, Florida to be a part of the Rock of Gainesville. But before they came, I had a very dear friend, a pastor friend, who uh, was in the hospital in a town not far from where Ray and Peggy lived. And while they were here, I had told them as we met, and they told me where they're from, I was like, oh, next week I got to fly up to Ohio to visit a friend who's in a hospital um, dying of pneumonia, double pneumonia. And Ray says, so where you got to go? And I tell him, and so a few days later I get a phone call, and Ray says, which airport are you landing in and what time? And when I landed in Ohio, a state I'd never been to in my life, in a city I'd never been to, and I walked out the door of the airport, there was Ray and Peggy to pick me up. Drove me to the hotel, I got checked in, then they waited for me and drove me to the hospital and left me. And two days later, came back to the hotel, picked me up, drove me to the airport. I hugged them, thanked them, left, not knowing that I'd ever see them again. 
And a few months later, there's Ray and Peg walking in the building, and they became family to us. As I was watching the service the other day and some of our precious people standing up telling Peg stories. You know, can I tell you this? You want to live a life in such a way that when you do depart this world and go on, somebody's got a story <laughs> that actually is good. <laughs> Come on, somebody, right? Some of you that just are snotty people and you don't like anybody, we might have to pay somebody. We'll give you $25 if you'll give us two minutes of a good story. Well, I knew the guy, but I didn't like him because he was very unlikable. I knew that woman. She was grumpy. We, we should live a life that, that, that we have to say, no, you can't. We've got too many people already that got something to say. How many of you were around here a long time ago when, and you knew my brother, Buddy? Buddy Brant, let me see your hand. Everybody that knew Buddy had a Buddy story. And they weren't all good stories. <laughs> Buddy, see, I had a guaranteed one salvation every Sunday because no matter how bad I preached, Buddy would get saved. He'd raise his hand, walk to the altar. I finally said, Buddy, you got to stop coming to the altar, man. So, uh, new people are thinking that it's, it doesn't work, it, and it does work. And, But Buddy gets saved, but then if you got in his way getting to this car with, with Cheryl and Bob out in the parking lot, he cuss you out. Yeah. Now, for those of you that didn't know my brother Buddy, he was Down syndrome, had the mentality of about a seven-year-old, so he could get saved but still cuss you out. <laughs> he knew some words. I'm like, Buddy, where'd you learn? I know you didn't learn those words at home. Mama didn't use those kind of words. But to know Buddy was to have a buddy story. We need community. We need family. That when we are not strong enough to get to Jesus, somebody's there to help us. We need some people to help us. The kind of friend that Scripture says sticks closer than a brother, the kind of friend who knows that they cannot heal you or even fix you, but they can get you to the one who does. We need those kind of people in our life. The community of believers who will stick with you when the going gets tough, and hear me, the going will get tough in your life. You know, I, we, we have relationships because of the joy of the Father allowing me to travel around the world and do missions work for 30 plus years. I have relationships with, with precious, dear friends from Jamaica to Cuba to Russia to China to Honduras to Peru, people that at times are a huge encouragement. Matter of fact, from every one of those nations I just said, there's somebody in those nations that's been praying for me for almost four years, prophesying over me, declaring God's word over me, speaking healing over my life, rejecting cancer, rebuking cancer, denouncing cancer, standing in the gap. And these people, they don't get to live like you and I live. They don't have, most of them, the joy of a beautiful auditorium with comfortable seats and air condition that they can go sit and enjoy 
the presence of God, fellowship with the saints. Go out into the lobby and have a nice coffee, buy somebody a coffee. They don't have those opportunities. Our friends in several countries are not even allowed to gather publicly. It's against the law. But they gather anyhow. There are times to break the law. And any law that goes against Christ, he is the one that we follow. So they sneak into rooms, close doors, cover windows, cover doors, and they worship God with great passion. But you can't hear sound coming out of that room. And they love the same God we love. And serve the same Jesus we serve. And they have great faith. And they believe. And they stand. I don't know about you, but there have been times for me, they have been such a huge encouragement to know that they're standing in the gap. Why? Because I'm a pastor? No, because I'm a friend. A friend in need. Those are the kind of friends that we need to be. These kind of relationships are profound. They're intentional. They're rooted in Christ Jesus. And they are vital for all true believers. You see, that's why we say constantly in this house, you need to be in a small group. The gathering on Sunday, it's wonderful, it's great, it's for a purpose, it meets needs. It's a place where unbelievers can come and feel and experience the presence of God. It's where unbelievers can come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ being preached and and faith drops into their heart and they realize they need Jesus as Savior of their life. It's a wonderful place that we're commanded to not forsake. We're commanded to gather. For all of these purposes. But there are some things that this big house cannot meet. That can only be met in small groups. Connect groups. Because in connect groups, you're not sitting behind someone looking at their face. Some of y'all liked my little illustration last week. And I've heard many comments and gotten the pictures uh, of what I talked about. So, so you, you guys knew it. And, and uh, somebody, somebody even went as far as to say that guy knew what he was doing because he kept wrinkling his head and his, it looked like, you know, the back of his head was smiling. So I, don't, I don't know what the guy was doing. He just went to church and put his glasses on the back of his head and he looked like he had two faces. But when we go to a small group, a connect group, when we connect up families with families, men with men, women with women, Bible studies, prayer groups, motorcycle rides, shopping trips, whatever it is that you want to bring the kingdom of God into in a small group in this house, if we don't have one, it's because you have not yet started the one that you're supposed to start. Come on, somebody. You guys should be saying amen, Ron, Tom, Franco, Tad in the back, Nathan, Suzanne, Jamie. Because it's in these small groups, intentionally taking a night of your week or 
a two-hour morning break or whenever it is. And you gather and you build a relationship with people that when and as you're doing life and things happen, you know immediately who you're going to call. You're not calling somebody. You sit on this side of the church and, and there's a person way over there and somehow you got their phone number but you don't know them. You're not calling them when something happens, when you end up in the hospital in the middle of the night, when you're in a bad wreck, when your child gets a bad diagnosis, when the banker says they're going to come take your house. You're, if, if, if you've done what we've been trying to teach you is you know who to call. Because even though your group of 10 or 12 or 15 or 6 or 8 or whatever it is cannot fix your problem, they're going to be there for you and help you through the process. Now, sometimes they do fix your problem. Sometimes there's somebody in that group, and they pull you aside privately, and they say, we have the means to help you get this done. You weren't asking them to do that. You're sharing a need. And I'm careful in preaching this because some people take advantage of it. I'm going to go find me a group that's got everything I need. Start sucking them dry. No, no, we teach discernment here too. <laughs> and, and when I realize what I got you don't want, but, but, but you want something that I'm not willing to give. There's discernment there. And we all need that. Because there are blood suckers that the enemy will bring into your life and into your small group and into your church. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Know when and where and how and why. Isolation brings death. Whoever's coming to the keyboard, y'all come on. I need somebody to help me stop. But, <laughs> Because I just got to the first page of eight pages of notes. <laughs> Isolation brings death. But together, we're better. Together, listen to this. There is life. There's fellowship. There's community. There's hope. There's peace. Together. We need each other. When we believe the lie of the enemy that we don't need fellow believers in our life, listen to this, we end up alone and lonely. Some of you, the Lord saved out of that kind of life. Redeemed you, maybe brought you back to the house of God. Because at some point in time, you got frustrated, angry, mad at somebody, blamed God, left. But you find yourself out there all alone, isolated. I've had to make a few trips because of medical reasons. And y'all know, as far as public ministry, I never travel alone. I never go overseas alone. I never uh, do things um, where I'm out there um, unaccountable and uh, susceptible. But there, there have been times because of medical situations that I've had to go somewhere, travel to a city, go to a hospital, go somewhere alone. Can I tell you? I mean, the other day I was at a place and Suzanne was with her uh, twin sister and, and some ladies that, that they meet once a year and have a great time, fellowship, and she needs that. 
and, and, and normally I'm totally happy. But, but this week, because of some circumstances, finding myself sitting alone, I was like, wrote, wrote her a text, <laughs> I miss you. Just a little hint, I miss you. I wasn't saying come home early, I was just saying I miss you. Because I did. Because you find yourself in a vulnerable situation and you're about to hear some news and you don't know if the news is going to be good or bad or positive or negative. You don't know what's coming. And there is strength being together. There's strength in your marriage by being together. There's strength in your family by being together. There's strength in the spiritual family by being together. There's strength in your connect group by being together. So that when we do hear things and go through things, we know immediately where to go, who to be with, who to help. This is what I believe one of the loneliest generations that has ever walked on the earth. I, I, I do a lot of reading. I'm reading some books now by some doctors, psychologists, uh, medical doctors. I'm researching some new uh, opportunities uh, that I might pursue um, for my health purposes to get me over that point zero one hump to get to a pure zero and to be in full remission and to be walking in total health and healing and so in my reading I'm reading about all these people that commit suicide and are lonely and on every kind of drug imaginable for the mind. I mean, the doctors just feed our nation. Franco was telling the prayer team this morning, how many people last year? 45,000 people died of suicide last year. And 80% were men. That's 80% of 45,000 dads, brothers, grandfathers, sons. How do you get to a place where you take your life? And so many of them, so violently, they're desperate. They're alone. They're hurting. They have no one to help them. We're full of our gadgets, social media. They have their likes and their thumbs up, but they don't know anybody. I was out of town this week for a few days, um, and I went to a couple of different Starbucks. Everyone was packed. With one person at a table, don't get too close. And everybody like this. Everybody. And you think, these must be happy people. But you look at their faces, they ain't happy. People that are waiting on you, they're not happy. They're hurting. Because they don't realize what the problem is. They got 100,000 likes on their social media, their Facebook, their Instagram. They show all these pictures. And can I tell you, some of y'all 
need to stop posting some of the stuff you post. Because it gets to me, your pastor. And I don't want to see you like that. I don't want to see you dressed like that or not dressed. It's not my business. You ain't my wife. I'm just saying. Why do we do what we do? Who are we wanting to, who we want to see this? It, it, it comes out of that emptiness. It comes out of that being isolated away from that which gives you self-worth. You're more valuable than that picture I saw. You're way more valuable. That's a lie of Satan. If you need likes on that picture, you're needing likes from the wrong source. Ooh, that's good right there. I'm already three minutes past. That was, I'm glad I did because that was worth it. We need community. We need fellowship. We need friendships. We need a shoulder to lean on when our burdens are heavy. And sometimes our burdens are heavy. I believe that relationships, hear me, are messy. Do you hear me? Messy. Say it out loud. Messy. But they're worth it. They're worth it. I love my wife. We've been married 44 years. We're going on another 44. We just started. We're just going to, we're going for another 44. That's 88 years. That's 20 years longer than Ray and Peg. I don't really want to live that long. <laughs> I really don't. But as long as we're living, I want to be living with her. I want to outlive her by at least a day. I mean, I'm, I'm selfish. I know that. But I don't want her going before me. I got enough to deal with. Don't need that grief. So I can go. She can come the next day. But relationships are messy. How many are married? Keep your hand up. Say messy. <laughs> Say amen. Because <laughs> it's true. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. And so are relationships in the body of Christ. Sometimes they're messy. Sometimes we got to help people through their messiness. But we do it because we love each other. Because we need each other. Last week I gave uh, some scriptures that are found all throughout the New Covenant. And, and they're really about community, the community of the saints, believers. And um, I wanted to take the time to go through those this morning, but I'm going to have to do it after the anniversary service because it's just too much time. But there are things in Scripture that talk directly and specifically to us. And there are words of instruction, guidance, help with what we're going through. If you remember last week, I'll just give them to you real quick. They were serving one another, forgiving one another, honoring one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. And the key word in there is one another. So if we're commanded, as we'll read, and if you have the notes from last week or you can get the notes off of the version today, if you read each one of those verses, you realize there's a word from God by the Holy Spirit written by a man that gives instruction to you and I how we're to treat 
one another. And we can't treat one another if we're not together. Amen? We're isolated. Jesus loves us. He's for us. His desire for our lives is that we know who he is. We have a personal relationship with Father God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We receive him by faith. We invite him to be Lord of our life. Not Lord of our religion, Lord of our life. We're looking for a relationship that goes deeper than religion. And in that relationship, there is life. There is hope. There is joy. There is peace. And then through all of that, he gives us this amazing body of believers, the church. And he gives us instructions how to live, how to love, how to walk, how to forgive, how to serve. And he expects us to follow it out. And so I encourage you, first of all, if you do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, you're sitting in this room or you're watching online, we welcome you. But if you don't know Jesus, the, everything I'm saying today in this place begins and ends with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. With a full confidence, if today was your last day on this earth, you would hear the one thing that I live my life for, and that is, well done, thou good and faithful. Enter in to that which I have prepared for you, which is eternal life. If you don't know Jesus today, I'm going to give you an opportunity. I'd love the, the joy of being able to lead you in a very simple prayer where you humble yourself, invite Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, surrender everything, and from this day forward, begin to walk in Him. And then as you do that, you'll find this amazing, wonderful body of believers that the Lord will encamp and surround you with. So would you just bow your head for a moment? Believers, would you just pray for a moment? If you're watching online, you can respond by calling the office or sending a text or an email, letting us know that you made a decision today. But for those of you that are in this room, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. He's in, wanting you to invite him into your life. You see, God first so loved you that he gave his only son. Jesus was willing to come in obedience to the Father's call to lay down his life, to die a horrible death on a cross so that his blood shed would cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If today, if tonight were your last night on this earth, do you have a confidence in who you are in Christ? If not, I invite you today to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. So as believers are praying, and this is just between you, me, and Father God, if that's you today, would you just lift up your hand, hold it, let me recognize it and see it this morning, and then I'll lead you in a prayer in just a moment. But that's you today. This is your day. This is your opportunity. This is the time when God wants to do something great in your life. If that's you, would you just simply lift up your hand, let me see it, recognize it, and then I'll lead you in a prayer. Yes, God bless you, sir. Thank you. 
God bless you. Others, this morning, biggest decision you'll ever make in your life is this. Yes, sir, God bless you. You can put it down once I see it. This is your opportunity today. Best decision I ever made in my life, eight years of age. The conviction of Holy Spirit, the love that the Father showed me that night when I got up and went to an altar, asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. It's the one thing I have no regret about. Jesus, first love me. One last moment. Anyone else, today, you're ready to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. I want to invite all of you to stand with me, if you will. Please don't leave until we're through praying. We'll be through in just a moment. I want to invite all of you to pray with me as we lead this precious uh, young man uh, to Christ today as he has lifted his hand and said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Pray this prayer. Pray it out loud with him. Father God, I come in the name of Jesus to say thank you that you first loved me and that you were willing to give your son Jesus who was willing to come, go to the cross, die for me. Today, Jesus, I invite you into my heart, into my life. I invite you to be my Lord and my Savior, my Redeemer. And I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of all of my sin, of all the things I've done that were dishonoring to Father God. I repent, I confess my sin, and I invite you, Jesus, to be my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for redeeming me. Father God, I pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise for this young man. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.